There's a third part. And I'm going to call this the prickly part of the psalm, and we'll name it as the third reading. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. This too is the word of the Lord. You don't have to say it. You don't have to say it. You don't have to say it. Uh, we call this wrestling with the text when maybe our response is, thanks be to God? And maybe we should do that more often with this Bible of ours. Sometimes we ministry staff and other uh, preachers and colleagues reflect and wonder if we all really read this Bible closely, the lineup at our office doors would probably be around the block and all the way down 109th Street to the ledge grounds. People saying, do you know what it says in here? <laughs> Seriously? So how do we receive and wrestle with the word? And today, this lovely psalm that so many of us know and love and have, I would imagine, been encouraged by for years and years and years. Well, let's take a couple steps back and talk about the Psalms in general with a few thoughts. Martin Luther called the Psalms the mini-Bible within the Bible. Everything is there that you need for life and faith. And the word Psalm can simply translate to praise. So this Psalm book, 150 Psalms, is a praise book. But you've also heard it called a prayer book. This is the prayer book of the Bible. Or maybe you've heard it called, this is the poetry book of the Bible. Or maybe you've heard it called the song book of the Bible. And I personally like that song image, this collection of 150 songs that we might pray with and sing with if we feel so led. But whatever you want to do, sing or pray or read it as a poem, whatever we do, let's read it with an open mind. And don't use the Psalms to proof text certain things in life because it is a prayer book. It's a song book. And don't try to find uh, real hard, fast scientific discoveries in the Psalms because uh, it doesn't, it's not meant to explain how things are made or how science and biology work. This is a 3,000 year old collection of ancient verse. And so it has longevity, it's got credibility, it's been the worship book for the people of God for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And so we still use it as a worship book now. So that's just some quick comments on the Psalms. And then as we approach Psalm 139, 
how do we wrestle with it? And I want to treat it like a song that has three stanzas and then this bridge part and then a closing refrain. And so stanza one is, Oh, you see me. God, creator, you see everything that's going on in my life. You see me sitting down and rising up and thinking and lying down and walking and speaking. This is verses 1 to 6. This is captivating. How can it be that you, oh God, would pay attention to me, to us? May that be consolation and comfort. Our creator who would probe the whole earth and the cosmos so that God might get to know us better. I praise you. We praise you because you see me. uh, Stanza 2 captures verses 7 to 12. Oh, you're with me. Abiding presence. Always with me. I cannot escape you. Ever present. Wherever I go, you are my guide. And as we read parts of that stanza, it might be obvious that, of course, the God of the heavens will be with us in the highest places. But even to the depths of Sheol, we're talking the lowest of lows. And for an ancient people who would have read or sung this psalm thousands of years ago, Sheol, in their imagination, is the underbelly of the universe. It's the place of the dead, this creepy, dark underworld. If I make my place in Sheol, you are there. That's good news. That's good news. And back then it was probably good news. And for us it can be good news here and now. Because some people talk about places where you can be separated from God with eternal consequences. You've probably heard that before in your Christian life. And this Christian culture that is relatively new in this thinking in the past 50 or 70 years can get pretty hell-bent on sending people to a pretty dark, lonely, eternal existence. So I like to use Psalm 139 to widen my imagination. This God who abides with people, even when they make their beds in Sheol, I am with you. It's an intriguing, but I would also say encouraging image. Abiding presence with us through thick and thin. With us through hell or high water. With us through blessing and doom. And I hope we can say, thanks be to God. But that's not all. Verse number, or stanza number three, capturing verses 13 to 18. Oh, you're every place, every time. You were there with us when every one of us began. That's what uh, Don was sharing with the children. We're fearfully, wonderfully, creatively made by a creator who keeps on showing up. The protagonist in every paragraph 
on every page throughout the book of our lives. The author who gives us sustenance and solace. Oh God, we know that your divine pen is writing a book of life that is for us, not against us. Your thoughts are weighty. Your pen is busy. And we can't keep up with the billions and billions of thoughts and plots that you have for us. And God's not writing a Christmas Hallmark movie. It's not schmaltz. But the good news is that God is with us in the highs and the lows, in the despair, in the hope, every place, every time, even when we come to the end, the end of the road, the end of our wits, the end of our life. When we feel like we're running out of runway, we read these promises that we are still with you, O Creator God. But then this prickly bridge, I'm going to call it, verses 19 to 22, if you are this kind of God, then why don't you just, and maybe these are minor notes, defeat all our enemies, crush the injustice. Because injustice and enemies seem to be cramping your style, God. They're bloodthirsty. They haunt us. They haunt the lives of the faithful. Oh God, these forces speak maliciously of you. So put an end to their despicable deeds. Clean house. And we might want to take that into our own hands and say, I would if I were you. They loathe you, I loathe them. As an act of solidarity, I loathe them, and you should really do something about it. In fact, and you read this intense phrase, I hate them with perfect hatred. But then the closing refrain. You need to read this psalm to the very end. The closing refrain that says, oh, oh, okay then. You see me? You're with me? You're in every place, every time? So then vengeance is not mine. The psalmist in the closing refrain says, search me, O God, and know my heart Test me and know my thoughts. When we're in places of want, when we're in places of despair, may this song remind us of God's abiding presence. God, creator, guiding us, mending us, reorienting us, leading us, on the path to deep, lasting life. We have 150 psalms to carry in this songbook. But I want to encourage us this week, and maybe in this season of Epiphany, where we're seeking light and life, that we carry one psalm with us.
Psalm 139, that we might carry it with us, that we might pray it, that we might live out of the assurances and the consolation in this poem, that we might sing it, sing it as we've already sung it, a new song unto the Lord. We as prayerers and we as poets, we as singers, joining our hearts and our songs and our voices with a billion Christians on this planet, raising our voices as praise. So I encourage you, carry Psalm 139 with you. Bask in its wonder, in its promises, in its companionship, but also acknowledge the prickly parts because that's part of our life. When we think of finding our way through this world, we know that there are prickly parts out there and in here, but this God continues to see us and know us and show up for us in every place, every time. I want to encourage you to carry this prayer with you, too. You probably all received it on the way in. It's a Walter Brueggemann prayer. And if you want to buy a prayer book in 2024, I commend two prayer books to you. This one, Odd, A-W-E-D, to heaven, rooted in earth. Or this one, Prayers for Privileged People, both by Walter Brueggemann. I've been reading these prayer books for 15 years, and I have not found better prayer books that deal with the joy and grit of life. I'll invite you to follow along as I read this prayer as our closing piece. You speak words of promise, and we answer. A thousand times we answer in a thousand tongues. We answer in hymns of praise. We answer in songs of thanksgiving. We answer in lyrics of gladness. We answer in candor about hurt. We answer in a brace of anger. We answer in deep abandonment. We answer and draw close to you, and in answering, we are changed. Given freedom, come to truth, bound in obedience. We answer and are yours, all yours, not our own. Yours and glad that we belong to you, our faithful Savior.